you should know about me. I specialize in a very specific type of security. Subconscious security. You're talking about dreams. Mr. Carl has a job offer he would like to discuss with you. What kind of work placement? Not exactly. We create the world of the dream. We bring the subject into that dream, and they fill it with their secrets. Then you break in and steal it. Well, it's not strictly speaking legal. It's called Inception. Welcome to Rewatchability. This is the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in the modern eye. We are an Entertainment One podcast on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. And my name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is Robert Larone and Jay McNabb. And this week, we are about to, uh, uh, to dream a little dream. We're about to, uh, <laughs> <laughs> to go into your mind and give you the idea to download more episodes of ours like what's our end game guys i don't know what our end game is with uh, this whole inception thing i don't know to get people to wear masks in grocery stores i don't know <laughs> yeah that's a that, good that idea might, <laughs> that might help that might if help. only the government could incept some good sense into people <laughs> uh, before we begin, I want to thank our uh, Patreons. Those are people that have gone to patreon.com slash rewatchability, and they've uh, donated one, two, three, five dollars a month, and they get some bonus episodes. They get the podcast ad-free and early, and some classic episodes, too, at certain levels. So uh, you can go there, too, uh, if you want to help us out or uh, pledge or subscribe or uh, support us in any way. You can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability. And if you don't have the pocket change because the world is crazy, uh, (laughs) you can say to a friend, hey, there's this podcast that I really like, and that would help us out just as much. Yeah, incept it to a friend. (laughs) Or, you know, rate it online if you don't have any friends yeah review subscribe That's, okay uh, yeah yeah we're going for the saddest scenario here uh, <laughs> you could go into the dreams of a stranger or just like break into somebody's room and whisper rewatchability in their ear while they're sleeping oh my god like a like a hypnosis tape like stop yeah. smoking and listen to rewatchability while we're talking about this i do want to quickly say too that by the time this goes up we should have a bonus episode for patreon donors where at least rob and i talk about bill and ted face the music i i don't know did you watch that blaine no okay no not yet it'll just be me and rob then but we're, we're gonna do a special episode just about bill and ted the new one yeah oh that's exciting i i I mean i want to listen to that and then I want to go see the movie. Don't do it in that Don't order. Don't lie to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I support you guys. I love rewatchability. I listen to it all the time. We talked about your dislike of Bill and Ted last week, so it's all on the record. Oh, my God. I've been outed. So let's talk about my like for Inception. And I'm going to say this right up front, that I liked Inception way more after seeing Tenet, and we will talk about maybe a little bit of Tenet later on in this episode. Uh, but for right now, we're just going to talk about Christopher Nolan's uh, dreamscape 
movie that took him his whole life to create Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio. And why don't we get into it? When was the first time you saw it, Rob? Um, I think that I saw it in the movie theater. I mean, I see most of his movies in the movie theater, though not all of them, because, I mean, his movies are just so big. I think that he's one of the few filmmakers right now who is making films specifically like catered to those huge experiences. So I'm pretty sure I saw it there. And I remember enjoying it. You know, it's a bit of a, a head trip to sort of know what's happening all the time. So I remember liking it a lot, but I did I did fall short of loving it, I would say. I mean, I love lots of Christopher Nolan's movies, but I think I thought that there was like, you know, maybe something missing from it the first time that I saw it. But I did, you know, very much enjoy it. Though I hadn't gone back to it since then, I don't think. Maybe I did. Or am I dreaming that? Uh, Am I dreaming (laughs) this? Spin the top, Rob. Spin the top. But I I was ready. I was ready to go back in and, uh, you know, really sort of like, you know, take in this movie and give it uh, another another chance. So Okay. What about you, J.M.? When did you first see it? I also saw it in the theaters uh, when it came out. In uh, 10 years ago, we should mention, this is the reason why we're doing this is not just Tenet, but it's the big 10th anniversary of... Uh, Ten? Tenet? Is it all mm, connected? Mm. Is it part of the mystery? I didn't see the no. movie. <laughs> no. It's Yeah, Tenet <laughs> is mainly about how it's been 10 years since Inception came out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really like it very much when I saw it. Um, Whoa! I think because I did like... A lot of Christopher Nolan movies at the time. I mean, I liked, uh, I kind of got the sense from Christopher Nolan at the time, uh, that, you know, he made these like smaller, like, uh, noir and sci fi movies. And then he went and did, or I guess he was just kind of doing noir things like he did Memento and Insomnia and stuff. And then he did, uh, the Batman, uh, pictures. And after Batman begins, he did, uh, the Prestige, which is my favorite of his movies, uh, mm-hmm. which I know it's got a lot of problems, but I, you know, I love old timey magic and and stuff. I, I I just love that movie, so I kind of got this sense from him, like, oh, he's going to go do those big Hollywood blockbusters like the Batman's, and uh, then in between, you know, he can make these like passion projects that are like a little smaller in scale and and maybe a little weirder, and uh, so I was like a little bummed that he was kind of using his blockbuster status to just make more blockbusters, if that makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was, but I was still excited for it. Uh, and then I just remember being kind of bummed by how like simple it was, which I, I, I recognize it is very complicated, <laughs> but there's so much uh, in, in those other movies, especially in the way like, uh, time uh, is kind of you know how the story sort of plays out in terms of the chronology of it is often like shuffled in his movies or like mm-hmm. not super straightforward or he kind of creates like narrative puzzles that uh you know i mean memento is the most obvious one but even you know something like even batman begins like plays around with uh with how the story's told so i was a little disappointed this does that to some degree which we'll talk about but i guess i was a little bit uh a little bit uh, tepid on the movie when I first saw it. 
Uh, wow. And I did. Tepid sounds like a Christopher Nolan title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it once in theaters, then I saw it again in IMAX because we had family visiting and that seemed like a thing to do. And, <laughs> and then I'd never seen it again until uh, just the other day. Did the, did the second IMAX screening change your mind at it, on it at all? Or were you like double down, like, yeah, this is kind of stupid? No, I I mean, maybe to a certain extent. There were definitely like sequences I really like in it and and uh some images I, I like quite a bit in it, but it's also just so long. Like it's never been a movie I've I've wanted to watch again at home, you know? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm kinda with you guys. Like I I think I've been a bit of a contrarian in the past when it comes to movies, like the movies that everyone likes and are like, it's so heady and smart. Was it was it really that smart? Was Are we Inception... talking about Bill and Ted again? <laughs> <laughs> they traveled time, Blaine. It's fucking cool. <laughs> Get into it, Blaine. God damn, Wild Stallions. Um no, I I really uh, I mean, I I liked a lot of it. I liked the way it did play with time. Um unlike you JM, I I thought that the levels of time and going down was kind of a very interesting technique to to play with. Um but what bothered me the most is the is just everyone was obsessed with that top at the end. They were just like, yeah. does it fall or doesn't it? And right. there would be like, you know, I, we all worked together at this time, I think, like or maybe around this time. And like the, there was a water cooler, you know, and people would talk about it and just be like, well, it. I don't think it did fall because of this. Right? I think it stayed up because of this. Like, that top still felt- spinning, man. <laughs> and I just felt like it was just kind of a moot point. Like I was like, that's not the point of the movie. The point is that he right. kind of healed and it doesn't matter if he's in the real world. Like he wants to be with his kids and that's kind of, and he said goodbye to his wife and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's the um, fact that it's like reality will always be, feel kind of tenuous in a way. Like, yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I, I Fast forward to 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please wake up. Whoever's dreaming, please wake up. God damn it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, It's like obsessing over the end of Total Recall or something. It's like, that's, it's just supposed to be a a kind of, you know, question mark ending to make you feel, it's not supposed to be analyzed. No. And I thought, I thought that was kind of the point. And so everyone was like, no, it's more brilliant because of this and it's more brilliant because of that. And I was like, I think all those. I think all that's kind of stupid. <laughs> like I didn't, I didn't want to disparage anyone. And I'm sure a lot of like everyone did it. Everyone obsessed over this moment. Yeah. Um, I just didn't quite get it. So I felt I- kind of like, I hate that movie because <laughs> everyone is still talking about this thing that I don't yeah. think is important at all. And so I'm um, with you a hundred percent and the top definitely stopped spinning. <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you pause the specific frame, <laughs> so i i liked it and i liked certain things that he did in it but i also thought they explained everything so much like i remember thinking at the time like stop talking just keep just do things stop it oh man they create a character who only exists to have things explained to her and even like as they're like (laughs) doing the big mission she doesn't know what they're doing so they have to keep explaining (laughs) it's like what why did they couldn't have done talked about this like last week okay we'll get into all that (laughs) no we will we will but i did i have a rebuttal for that but we'll get into that as well oh Um, okay rob 
do you want to do you want to kind of run down the pretty simple plot of Inception? Fuck no. I'm sure this will take like two minutes. Okay. <laughs> no. Fuck you guys. You're on your own. Okay, we'll skip over it this no, time. No, I mean, it is it is somewhat straightforward <laughs> once you sort of, like, know what's going on. It starts off with Leo washed up on the beach. Uh, not the beach, just a beach. Some guys... <laughs> He's no, not drinking, like, no. snake blood or anything um, yet? Some guys grab him and take him to, like, a very old Asian dude. And they talk, and the old guy says that he recognizes the little metal top that Leonardo DiCaprio has on him uh, that he saw once that belonged to someone he met in a half-remembered dream. Oh, I just had a thought. Mm. Is this whole thing supposed to be like a visual pun? Because it's like when you sleep, it's like, you know, you're like catching some Zs. Like, is it a ZZ top? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That explains Leo's beard. He has a beard. (laughs) (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but cut to Leo talking to another younger Asian dude. A different dude? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but also Joseph Gordon-Levitt is there, and they're trying to sell this guy on this sort of dream security package. It's a sales pitch, and the whole thing is is that... In this movie, different companies, they use this technique to go inside people's dreams and then steal corporate secrets. Corporate espionage, ooh, but, you know, with a little bit of, like, Freud in there or something. But <laughs> the guy isn't really interested and sort of brushes them off. However, what he doesn't know, Inception, it's already a dream that they're in. It's his dream. <laughs> Wait, he doesn't and, know uh, that or does he? Well, he finds out later because there's this woman that Leonardo DiCaprio seems to know, which is weird because she's over the age of 25. (laughs) 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 Going to call him out on that one. (laughs) So there's two geriatrics right away in this movie. Uh, That's great. (laughs) So if you're playing a Leonardo DiCaprio bingo at home, we've made fun of the age of the women he dates. Uh, we've, We've referenced the beach. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah. Go I have on. the Titanic one coming on later, but okay. you know. I mean, it, it, should, it should be a free space, I think. The Titanic, That's what, right? You could edit the end of Titanic to the beginning of this with him washing up on the beach very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He, like, let go of the door and he's fine. <laughs> he just drifted. <laughs> he just went into limbo. He was pretending to be dead. <laughs> We've all tried that after you, like, you know, one night stand. You're just like, uh. <laughs> I'm not alive. <laughs> but so what happens is that he sees this woman, Marion Cotillard. 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 Yeah. And um, Cotillard. It seems like he knows her, but she betrays him and tells the other guy, Saito, that uh, it's a dream. And so then they're, they're, they're caught. And there's a big mm-hmm. sort of chase thing. And eventually they sort of get out of that dream and into another sort of situation where they have him hostage and then there's a they're still trying to get all the information and then i think that's also a dream and they sort of like wake up in an airplane and they manage to get away with the sort no, of it's information a, it's, it's a train right it's a train pardon right. me yeah. planes trains and no automobiles well no there is an automobile in this yeah 
<laughs> yeah, snowmobiles later. Alternate title. Fine. Alternate Fine. title. <laughs> but it turns out that this is all sort of like a contrived audition of sorts because they later grab Leo and all of them. And it turns out that their buddy, the boy from Witness, sold them out. And so, and so it's all so that this guy, Saito, can sort of propose this big mission to Leo. And it's a crazy sort of mission because it shouldn't even be possible by the logic of this world. And that is that he wants to incept an idea into a sleeping, dreaming person. So, I mean, they can take out ideas. That's that's one thing. You know, they go in and they try to, like, find the person's mind safe, and then they just get them to open it, you know, through trickery, and then that's that. But Inception, it shouldn't even be possible. I, I just want to point out, if anyone's trying to steal information from Rob's dreams, don't go to, for a safe. It's uh, it's under the filthy mattress in the corner of the room. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> But Leo thinks this is possible, and he says he knows it's possible because he's actually done it. And so mm. he is hesitantly agrees to take on this mission. And the reason he takes it on is because Saito agrees to sort of make his travel problems go away. For some reason, he's stuck in France, and he's not allowed to go to the United States. We don't know the reason it's yet. Quarantine, it, right? That's... I thought it was like a Polanski thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was what I was thinking too. My first thought was uh, as soon as they mentioned like extradition to the U.S., I couldn't help but think of Polanski. Yeah. Oh God. Yep. Thankfully, it's not that. Later, it turns out that uh, he's been accused of killing his wife and all that stuff. You know, it's classic Leonardo DiCaprio affair. It happens basically every movie he made for the next two years. I think. Wait, what? It's was he accused of killing his wife in another movie? Isn't that also the thing that happens in Shutter Island? Like, and I think Shutter Island. Yeah, uh, was it was similar. Yeah. All I know is that there's like a wife that kills the kids, but maybe Leo was the one who did it. Or anyway, it doesn't matter. He he was a very confused young man at that point, or older man, I guess. Well, also very famously, like ninety percent of Christopher Nolan's movies are about a like a dead wife. Is the is the inciting right. incident? <laughs> Yeah, in the prestige, true. in the prestige, uh, like both, like two wives don't make it. Yeah, which is weird because doesn't his wife like produce with him? Like she produced Emma this Thomas? movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah you like, think like another you dead think wife, like Chris? The, I'm starting to get worried. <laughs> I think like the fourth or fifth time that happened, she might be like, "Yeah, come on." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really. She sees like plane tickets to France in his overcoat. She's like, um, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, but so the job is to hop behind Killian Murphy's piercing blue eyes and incept him. He has these eyes and incept him to break up his father's company after his death so that Saito can compete. And so Leo agrees. But first things first, they got to replace Lucas Haas. So he goes to his old friend, Marco Kane, and... <laughs> Ask, you know, who is the person who can help us out with this? Who can be our new architect, is what they call uh, this role. It's a job for some very, very powerful people. People who I believe can fix my charges permanently. But I need your help. You're here to corrupt one of my brightest and best. You know what I'm offering? You have to let them decide for themselves. Money. Not just money. You remember. It's... 
The chance to build cathedrals, entire cities, things that never existed, things that couldn't exist in the real world. So you, you want me to let someone else follow you into your fantasy? And he directs him to Ellen Page. And, you know, not anybody can do this role. It's, it's very difficult. You need to have a very adept mind. So Leo makes her... But the first person they go to yeah. wait, nails it. Wait, can, hold on for a second. Can we just talk about this Michael Caine scene for a second? Because, like, Michael Caine is his father-in-law, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Are we to understand that Leonardo DiCaprio's wife, who is dead as we'll find out basically because of something that you know he was at least a party to mm-hmm. because she was like an architect that he met her through Michael Caine like was he one of his students or something yeah that makes sense i think so yeah and then so like why and then he goes to ask him again like i i need one of your impressionable young students <laughs> to come with me for a literal heist like i, I like, are we not sure Michael Caine is the real villain of this movie? Like, why would he yeah. go along with well, any of that? Also, yeah, like, isn't he like, did you kill my daughter? Like, is that a thing you did? Yeah. Like, he did. Wh- why does it? <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah, he did. Kinda, so, like, yeah. why is Michael Caine? He, he we're gonna talk. We're gonna spoil the end anyway. But like, Michael Caine hugs him at the end. Welcome. Like, this is like, why would he be doing that at all? Well, I mean, also, he's just a nice guy. Just don't he's help your. Warm. Just don't help criminals like uh, get together with your students. You know, it just seems like such a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah, but nobody like, can, can resist take... a good heist. That's true. <laughs> You're like, God damn it, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So he, so he, you know, takes Ellen Page away from her promising career as an architect and puts her into life-threatening situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she, I mean, she is pretty good at this architect stuff. I mean, like when he makes her draw some mazes, she's like, "Okay, square mazes. That's basic." She draws a fucking circle <laughs> maze. Take that. That's four D mazes right there. Yeah, it's crazy. But so. You know, he starts teaching her all of the things about being an architect and, like, all of the rules. And um, she's, like, very exceptional at it. She does, like, all of this stuff that Chris Nolan's crazy about, like, you know, making the 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 sky, the floor, and the walls, <laughs> the floor, basically everything, the floor. <laughs> See, I feel like that's the stuff he's not so crazy about because, like, he doesn't – he kind of resists – CGI as much as possible. And like, well, he did it the fucking uh, inner, outer, uh, interstellar. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> inner space. <laughs> we better say inner space. But even yeah. like in this movie, and we should or in the new movie, he like uh, it made the news. Like famously, he drove a real seven forty seven into like a building because right. He, right. Would, he was like, ah, it'll cost about the same as CGI, and this way we get to blow up a real plane. Well, I wonder if maybe it was a practical effect then. Like, maybe it was some sort of, like, mirror sort of situation or something. No, that was CG. Oh, okay. Fully. Well, that was, yeah. But yeah. there's definitely <laughs> stuff in this movie which we'll talk about, like, stunts and things that were done yeah. practically. Oh, that's really impressive stuff, yeah. for sure. The the whole stunt team, kudos to them. Um, but my... But yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that, like, he introduces these concepts, and we'll talk about this much later as well, that 
he doesn't bring back. Like, yeah, she can bend the floor, the impossible into the architecture that never. Yeah, I thought that would be like the thing at the end where she would be able to like you know it's like oh we don't have enough time to get to the base never mind I'll just like make it a two feet over there. Exactly, bring the base to us. We'll have to rely on snowmobiles, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, snowmobiles are yeah, pretty like, fucking cool. They're cool, but isn't bending earth cool? I don't know. Dude, snowmobiles? I just thought that it would come back in some really cool yeah, way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah. They also have to pick up some other people, too. Like, there's Tom Hardy, who's playing a guy named Eames, who seems to be a reference mm-hmm. to uh, Ray and Charles Eames, who made... Some funky chairs. Yeah. That's cool. You can rub them together all you want. They're not going to breed. You never know. Let me get you a drink. Goodbye. Your spelling hasn't improved. How's your handwriting? Versatile. Good. Thank you very much. Inception. Now, before you bother telling me it's impossible... No, it's perfectly possible. It's just bloody difficult. Also, they pick up this guy named Yusef, who's like the chemist who makes this like super special good shit that's going to like put them way under so that they can go in multiple layers of dreams, which is what they have to do to incept this idea. So eventually, you know, they, they get the plan sort of in motion, like, you know... The guy, Killian Murphy's character, Robert Fisher, he's going to be taking this, like, big plane ride, which he does every two weeks. And then that's where they're going to sort of uh, do the incepting. And then they're going to go in through all these, like, dream layers. But one thing that is happening is that uh, Ellen Page is getting, like, a little bit concerned about (laughs) Leo's mental decline. (laughs) Because... (laughs) She's figured out that the reason why he doesn't do any more architecting is because the presence of Mal, uh, his wife, the Marion Cotillard character, keeps on, like, you know, going in there and fucking everything up. And and she's becoming, like, more and more powerful. And, might I say, the word Mal in French, it means ill or, like, evil. So she's, like, not a good person, maybe, you know? Who, like, was his wife evil? Like, why is she always yeah. stabbing people in his dreams? She must have been evil. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, she doesn't seem like a very nice person, you know? Joseph Gordon-Levitt says oh, she was the best. She was the nicest. And that's all all said about her outside of Leo thinking that she's a murderous rampager. <laughs> like, like, I guess it's, maybe it's just, like, his guilt is kind of, like, projecting her as that. But even, like, that becomes a realization at the end, like, where he's, like, says something, like, you're not really her or something. He's like, yeah, because she... In real life, she probably wasn't stabbing people all the time. Like, why, why would you ever think that was her? Or unless she was. I don't know. The movie never tells us. Well, it does seem that, nope. like, I think in some scenes it shows us where after they've gone to, like, you know, the deepest level of dream or whatever, and he has to sort of, like, incept her out of it, there is that one point where she seems to be, like, threatening him with a knife, isn't it? Like, that's, like, to, like, kill him to, like, you know, so that they kill each other to wake up. So, like, maybe that was part of it that uh you know sort of like exists yeah through i it. mean the train comes back early on or right comes forward i guess because uh, we see the train burst through one of the dreams but not sure what it means yet until we see it later yeah 
Um, so what are the dream levels, Rob? Okay. What are, there's like oh, four it's confusing. dream levels. Yeah, there's like the yeah. city dream level, which is like New York City. And that's where they... But it's raining. Yeah. Like that time. never happens. Yeah. Well, it's because that guy has to pee. The uh, <laughs> right. the chemist, right. yeah, which is funny. And it's it, it. This movie does have like some funny parts, and when, when everyone yeah. realizes that it's raining because the the one guy has to pee, I thought it was good. Yeah, so they kidnap him and they start to like you know try to get the information out. Um, and Tom Berenger is there and he plays like his dad. Why, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. Why is Tom so Berenger in this movie? <laughs> Such weird casting. And, yeah, so that's the whole thing. And then they, from there, they get into a van that Yusuf is driving around, and they go into another level of dream, which is the hotel. And at the hotel, this level of dream, Leo just right up tells Killian Murphy that they're in a dream, and he sort of pretends to be, like, a, a bit of his, like, you know, unconscious defense, which is helping him out. And so... Through this sort of procedure, which is a bit like, you know, risky, this method, he sort of gets Killian Murphy to sort of work with him, even as like his defenses are starting to sort of turn in on him. All of Leo's stuff is making all the everything bad happen in all of the dreams. Well, also because we find out in the first level that like Killian Murphy has like the subconscious like army security force built in right and right and that uh so they're basically being attacked which they didn't think was going to happen and then on top of that they find out that if they die in one of these dreams because they're so sedated that they won't uh, wake up like they normally would they will fall into limbo yeah which doesn't mean they'll do a a party dance (laughs) oh like like you might have thought uh, it means they go down to like this shitty. Uh... Oh, I had a question about limbo because that's yep. where because they say like no one's ever been there except for Leo because that's where he was with his wife for so long before she uh, took up stabbing as a hobby. <laughs> but when they get there later in the movie, there's like it seems like there's relics of their life together, right? When she was when he was living there with uh, Marion Cotillard, yeah, they built they mm-hmm. built their limbo together, like, and they were architects, so they like built it all. Yeah, but why is the ugliest possible fucking way that you could ever build anything? Like well, all the buildings over top of each other, <laughs> like skyscrapers. But yeah. why is it, why I is limbo don't... shared between everybody? Like, why would they go to a limbo that he'd already been in? Is it just like a website where like <laughs> I, I don't understand how that works well because it's like they're sharing dreams right like i i think that they like they don't necessarily exactly go into one person's dreams it's like one person builds the dream and then one they're in somebody's consciousness and then like yeah and then all everybody's sort of within it no they do have to go into each person's dream because um, like the guy at the beginning, the I guy has to pee has and he level. gets to stay awake, yeah. and then they go into Joseph Gordon-Levitt's and he stays awake there, and everyone keeps dreaming. But I just, I'm just like, why would all that stuff be there? That's what I'm curious about. I think uh, is Leo's dream the last one. It's not the Snow Fortress. Uh, no, that's they go into. I think they go into one of the other dudes' dreams, um, but they I use. I mean, it, it is it is kind of confusing about you know how exactly the architecture of this sort of thing works but yeah it is 
the limbo level is all like Leo's thing. It seems like this is like the ruins of the world that he built with his uh, with his wife that they grew old together. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe it's like I think like the world just has to be built by somebody or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but so because he can he can go find in limbo. He can go find Ken Watanabe, right? Like he can. Yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. same limbo. Yeah, so. That is confusing, JM. You're right. I think yeah. it's like I think it's like a uh, like uh, an online hub where just kind of everybody, you know, like Second Life or something, where everyone's <laughs> connected and can meet up down there. <laughs> I, I it's exactly oh, well, like Second Life. <laughs> while we're speaking of Limbo, too, I, I do want to say like it it was weird to me because like the whole thrust of of Leo's uh, you know journey in this movie is like he wants to. Gets, uh, he wants Ken Watanabe to grant him immunity or whatever, you know, hook him up so he can get back to the States, so he can get back to his kids, right? It's like mm-hmm. the, it's like the homeless dad thing for rest of development, where he just wants to get his kids back. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want my kids back. Yeah. But then we also learn this thing about like how him and Mal were in limbo and decided to just live there for like 40 years or whatever. But it's like, what about their kids? Like, why? That just—I watched it with my wife, and we were both like, what? on the like, oh, after like a couple weeks, when they were like, we should really get back to our kids. Like, this is really weird. Yeah, but it would only be slower, like right? five minutes or a, something yeah. for you know that. I kn- like, I know that, but if I had the opportunity to leave my children for forty years, even if they wouldn't experience it, it would be traumatic yeah. for me. For sure. True. Well, that's why Leo w- needs to go back, and that's why he incepts Mal, because she doesn't seem to care. She thinks that the the dream world is more real or something like that, and he wants to get They're the worst parents. Kids. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's They're just, like, I, I, for me, like, watching it now as a parent, like, that didn't ring true for me at all. Like, if, totally. if they had not had kids, I, I would buy that, but, like... I mean, I guess she's good. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That was just a good weird. reason for that. Um, in the making of the movie, which we'll talk about. Oh, why it doesn't work. So. Oh. Um, anyway, so how does how do they how do they get out of limbo and all these dream well, worlds? I mean, and first there's we also they, they, there's a third level too of the of the dream, which is oh, the snowmobile land, which is like the James okay, Bondy right. sort of one. Ah. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. I I gotta say like I was the, that was the moment I was really disappointed at when I was watching the movie because you're like you know you keep going down and you're like I bet things are gonna get you know really epic when they get to like the third dream and it's like it was just like a level from Goldeneye or something. Yeah, I know. I think that is a level yeah. from Goldeneye. <laughs> yeah, Majesty's Secret Service. That's what he like did it from. Uh, so it just c- kind of seemed like well, one it's raining and your slow motion everyone's like falling and doing all that stuff and then the second one is zero gravity and he has to figure out a way to like kick give the people the kick to make them wake up when there's no gravity so how can they fall uh, which is brilliant and great and then the third is just like let's shoot guns on snowmobiles yeah it, yeah it yeah. totally is a letdown yeah they fuck up though because bobby fisher he gets shot and uh he dies and he bites it and that 
fucks up their mission because he needs to be alive to be incepted. So that's why they have to go into the uh, into the limbo land, which is, you know, in his dreams or with his dreams. And that's where Leo has to sort of confront Mal and, you know, say that he's ready to move on and he's not going to stay behind to be with her. An idea is like a virus, resilient, highly contagious. And the smallest seed of an idea can grow. Go to define or destroy you. The smallest idea, such as your world is not real. A simple little thought that changes everything. And he does just stay behind to save uh, Saito. And that is the thing at the beginning of the movie. We realize that these two Asian men who are like the two Asian men in the movie are the same guy because it was yeah, on casting. Yeah. We sure. already got yeah. that. We, we, it was, it, was <laughs> the same, it was the same actor with makeup on Rob. <laughs> oh, I mean, it looked, the makeup looked really realistic, you know, it was like, it's the most yeah. realistic Asian, Asian person since like low pan, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty bad makeup. It was pretty sure. bad. But, yeah, and then he sort of comes to on the plane, and Killian Murphy has had, like, his big, like, you know, redemption moment with Pete Postlethwaite. Um, before Postlethwaite. And he uh, And he's going to, you know, do the thing. He's been incepted. He's going to split up the company so that Saito's happy and Leo... He's going to get to see his kids. And so he goes and he does that. He, you know, he goes to Michael Caine's place and, you know, he sees his kids playing from the back like he always did because he could never see their faces before. And they're building sandcastles, which is also seems like significant. Like, why are they always building sandcastles? Does that mean that this is some sort of dream? And he he's like spinning the top. He does. He leaves the top spinning on the table and it just keeps spinning until it stops spinning. And that's the movie. When the movie ends. Yeah. 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 What? Hey, why didn't he just incept the people that, or the person that was stopping him from entering the country? Because all Ken Watanabe had to do was phone one person, and then his record was expunged. Wouldn't Leo just incept that one person instead of trying to do this whole other thing? Well, also, I don't understand why Michael Caine just didn't bring his kids to France. Like, he seems, <laughs> Michael Caine seems to be like the one who has custody. So yeah. And also, that's where he works. Like, it would have been very easy to just, yeah, yeah, relocate. Yeah, why isn't he with his grandkids? Yeah. Like, why does Michael Caine work in France and his grandkids are in the U.S.? It's weird. And he's just like, They could pick up cute French accents, you know? <laughs> yeah. If they could, if they... Yeah, like his daughter had. <laughs> if they introduced, like, the Tenet time travel into this movie, I would go back from 2020 and be like, get out of there. Like, the U.S. is not going to get better anytime soon. <laughs> like, just go to France, guys. Stay in France. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the recap. We're going to get into some... That's Inception. Is uh, it? Behind the scenes, some questions. I have some trivia for you guys. I've tried to make it hard, but you guys will get it right away because you guys are good at trivia. And yeah, and we'll talk more about what we thought about Inception and the other plot holes that it contains and some fun fan theories that are out there that are going around right after this break. 
Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about Inception. I have some trivia for you guys. Hooray! Get ready. All right. I don't know whether you guys already knew the answers to this and just incepted me. I dreamed the answers to this. Okay, so how does Inception connect to Edith Piaf? Well, they use that there song. Are, yeah. There are three different ways. Oh, they oh. use the song, and Marion Cotillard played Edith, Edith Piaf. Boom. Nice. Those are two. Uh, well, like the big blab, you know, the Hans Zimmer music, that's all from the song, right? Yeah, but I feel like that's one. Okay. Like, they use the song, they use the song. That's how I kind of put that into one. Because that's another the, thing the about this one. movie. This movie did ruin movie trailers for... <laughs> still i think yeah yeah man someone came in Hans zimmer did the final score but the born was already in there so he, he's not even which is he's not even uh responsible that, for it the boy is great in this movie because i love that whole thing of like you know it it makes total sense in this movie because like the song is playing and because of the time differential like it slows down it's like that 700 that year john cage piece that yeah, just exactly. changed course. <laughs> no, but it, like it makes sense. It's like uh, it's a part of the story. Like I, I love that. But like, yeah, the fact that it, it that that style became adopted by so many other movies and other Christopher Nolan movies yeah. too. Like yeah. Tenet had a bunch of boah sounds for no reason. Well, it's become uh, yeah, sort of and it, his trademark, uh, Hans Zimmer. And like also, from what I understand, he doesn't compose everything himself. He has like a like. You know, like a studio, like a factory, like Andy Warhol or something. Mm. Well, he does so many movies, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and he he um, didn't do Tenet, by the way. He was, it was uh, yeah, I can't remember the name. Damn. Um, so the the Boarm, just to let you know where it comes from, is from a sound from a train yard slowed down and enlarged. I mean, the volume up, I guess. Mm, but uh, mm. So that's why it was in there, because it made sense with the piece. It was part of the it's train. It's the sound of a hobo urinating. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sound of, uh, of punk kids riding the cars. No, it's, uh, it's the sound of a, of, of a train kind of connecting to another train in a train yard, I think. So it made sense for Inception to have that in there, because they slowed down other things from... Edith P.S. music, all that stuff. So it made sense for that movie, and then they put it in every other movie, and it doesn't make sense anymore. Okay, the third connector is, and this is stupid, but the the Edith P.F. song they used is two minutes and 28 seconds long, and the movie is two hours and 20 minutes long. And people think that's a huge no. connection oh. to the movie. Yeah, people all over the internet are like, that's a big Easter egg. So I wanted to bring it up because I think it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> it's not an Easter egg. I'm sure so like silly. there were different length cuts. You can't plan stuff like of that. Course. You can't plan how long to the minute no. your movie is going to be. Yeah. No, it probably like there's a TV cut. There's a cut, different cut for, there was a different cut for Japan because they had to, Give uh, labels for the different dream states everyone was in because they were the they law. were afraid people would be confused. It's the law in Japan. No <laughs> you one knew to that, label your dream states. Yeah, and here they had to label them all in French too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so Michael Caine has been in eight of Nolan's films. Name them. I Three mean, Batman's. It's just it's just yeah. all the ones after Batman, right? He's yeah. been in all of them. Uh, 
Yeah, I think yeah, you're right. Except okay, maybe so, not Dunkirk. Um, was he? In, I don't think he was in Dunkirk. I think was he, he was in Dunkirk. He was in Dunkirk. Was he? Okay. He's, he was in Dunkirk. So uh, you got that. He played that wrong. little boy. Dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, who um, was he okay, in Dunkirk? So, I don't even remember. I don't know. He was in all the Batman were, movies: <laughs> The Prestige, Dunkirk, yeah. Inception, Interstellar, and Tenet. They were trying to get rid of. They were like, "Sorry, Kane, you're out. Harry Styles is in. <laughs> He's <laughs> the new the same you. thing that happened with One Direction. <laughs> the uh, you know the Michael Caine was great in One Direction. I love Michael Caine. I'm glad that Christopher Nolan wants to use him in all his movies. Really, I am genuinely. But the scene that he has him in in Tenet is just <laughs> no, nothing. Like, there's no reason for it to exist. To the point where it actually confused me because he it's early on in the movie and the main character goes and sees someone and the character's like, you should go see this person. He's like, okay. Uh, and then he takes a detour and sees Michael Caine and Michael Caine just gives him the exact same information, but like <laughs> yeah. tells him to buy a new suit. And that was Good the advice. scene. And then immediately the next immediately the next scene, someone's like, I see right through your suit, too. And he's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> then what Then what was the meeting with Michael Caine all about? Like, it's totally just like, bitch. you know, Michael Caine's older. He's not up for a lot, but we want to have him in the movie, which on one hand I appreciate, but man, that was pointless. I love Michael Caine, but yeah. like they kind of propped him up in a chair and fed him lines. Oh, and he kind of, yeah, it was kind of like, what I hear watching Bob Dylan play now is like you shut like, your mouth. You can, you can stop. It's all right. Hey, he, his new album oh. was acclaimed, so you don't know what you're talking okay. about. Okay, yeah. Well, just live, just play. I don't know. I heard, I heard, uh, heard he was falling asleep. Playing it's live. a whole right. other thing. Um, I know. I've seen Dylan many, many times, and some performances are great. Some are not so good. Okay. Okay. Like how the raps are playing. God damn it. Okay, so question three. How many of Nolan's family members were involved in Interstellar? Wow. That's not the movie we're talking about. No, not Interstellar. Inception. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want to talk about Interstellar. I hated that movie. In, in Inception. I'm going to say four. Okay. Um, I thought for a minute I was just reading about this, but then I realized that was an entirely different movie. Was it Interstellar? <laughs> no, I'm reading a book about Eyes Wide Shut, and the, they were talking about how like a bunch of Kubrick's family members are in that. Hopefully um, not in the orgy scene. <laughs> yes. oh, okay, Dad, you're over here. Shut your eyes. Shut your eyes. <laughs> no, I don't know. I have no idea. Why'd you say four, Rob? Who do you think? Well, I looked at the IMDb and I saw a bunch of Nolans, and uh, I can't remember how many, <laughs> and I can't remember how many names, but I was like, how many family members do people have? So it's like a wife and 2.5 perfect kids. <laughs> so like, if you round that up, it's like four other than Christopher Nolan. I like how you're coming at this like from an alien point of view. <laughs> like, <laughs> How many family members do humans have? <laughs> It was three. I thought it was four, too. But it was his wife, uh, Emma Thomas, producer. His son played Cobb's son Whoa. In, uh, mm. in, the, in the movie. And then his cousin, Miranda, was a flight attendant in this movie. I could tell I the flight attendant brother... was such a Miranda. You can just tell. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew anything about it, she's a Samantha. But uh, let's move on. Um, no, uh, the the... I thought his brother helped write it, but this was all Nolan. So wow. I think that's why it was so bloody confusing. But it's not so that confusing. The, no, it's not, it's not confusing. It's very straightforward. It's true. 
They like, I, I'm not going to argue almost that. to his detriment because they like take so much time to like explicitly say what's going on at every turn. It was a lot of talking. Yeah. Also, fun fact, uh, the, the scene with Michael Caine and Leo where they talk in the university that's uh, takes place at the same university where Nolan met his future wife, Aww. the producer. How many people has she stabbed? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where it all comes from. So it started off as a horror movie way back in 2002. And if you go even further back, Nolan said that he thought up the idea of a dream movie when he was 16, which seems like an amorphous concept. Very, <laughs> so a let's 16-year-old idea. So I had the idea, yeah, yeah. man. What a, I had the idea after seeing Dreamscape with Dennis Quaid. <laughs> or Total Recall yeah. over any movie that's set in the dream world. Playing Mario 2. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. so uh, Rob and I oh, were man. talking about that before, and I was like, this is like Inception. <laughs> I would have loved that if the end of Inception was just like Mario's having a fever in bed. <laughs> <laughs> I ate the wrong mushroom. <laughs> So, okay, so he started pitching it in 2002 as a horror movie. The studio was like, yeah, we'll we'll buy it if you can write it in the next like month or two. And he was like, I need around three or four months to do it. So how about I write it on spec and then I try to sell it to you back? And they were like, sure. And then he took eight years to write it. Uh, so it's a good thing he did that. He said that the when it he decided it was going to be a heist, but then it really came together when he decided to give the main character a backstory and mm. a big Bold part move. of that was yeah i know <laughs> yeah it's too bad he didn't well, hey, uh, think about doing that this time with the new picture <laughs> exactly exactly oh my god um so uh, leonardo DiCaprio was a big part of that apparently he came in to play Cobb, and um he was like characters have backstories like, chris <laughs> <laughs> It's like and things you, that happen before and, the movie start, you know? Okay, Leo, your name yeah. in this movie is the main character. <laughs> um, Dave Protagonist. He did, he did the thing. I don't know if Leo was part of the casting decision for for this stuff, but uh, um, all the alternate casting before they cast Marion Cotillard was uh like Taylor Swift was offered it. What? <laughs> uh so that feels like Leo. But she she shook it off. <laughs> um, uh, Rachel McAdams, Emily Blunt. Okay. So these I mean these were all people that were all pretty young at the time, not like Marianne Cotillard. Anyway, so the other thing was that the Nolan has said in interviews time and time again that he wrote it for Leonardo DiCaprio, but then there's like conflicting things where Brad Pitt said that he was offered it, but they gave him 48 hours to decide. And he was like, ah, I'm not going to read the script in that amount of time. So they, he, he just turned it down because he was like, I'm not going to be pressured into anything. And then it went to Will Smith and he turned it down because he was like, <laughs> this is kind of stupid. Uh, you know, I don't want to be involved in it. And Will Smith has a history of turning down like really influential roles like Neo and stuff. For good reasons, though. Right. Um, and then they gave it to Leonardo DiCaprio. So, I don't know. I feel like there was a little bit of retconning going on in Nolan's mind that he was like, I wrote it for Leo, even though we offered it to two other people before we gave it to him. It's possible that the studio made him, you know, go to those people. True. Instead of Leo. True. 
There's other things that are kind of fun about the movie, I guess, like all the practical effects in this movie. The fact that the hallway scene was done totally practically on a revolving... They built this whole right. hallway and put it in the air and revolved it so that Joseph Gordon-Levitt could do all his own stunts in it, which he did throughout the entire movie, his own stuff. Which is like the old uh, Fred Astaire trick, you know, where they spin spin the room around. Yeah, and he does – when he was on SNL, he did like an old Singing in the Rain dance routine. Like I feel like he's really dancey. Um, I, I didn't mean he's literally dancing. I mean they spun the room around. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. Uh, but uh, but you need to have like you know uh, like a a good you know choreographic ability yeah. or whatever to be able to you know I guess deal with that. How do you guys feel about yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Because I like him. He seems like a nice guy. I think he's a good actor. But there is something about him in movies like this where like every time he talks, he just kind of sounds like like a kid in a high school production of a serious play who's like trying to sound authoritative. You know what I mean? <laughs> He is he is not mm. like acting to how he looks in this movie for sure. Like I feel also he's like Cobb's best friend. Shouldn't he know more? Like shouldn't he be trying to stop this guy from seriously hurting himself instead of Ellen Page? Anyway. Um Yeah, he doesn't seem concerned at no. all. <laughs> but I do get what you're saying that he it it feels like he's wearing his father's clothes a little bit. Like he he does feel a little young for this role. But also just his voice, the way he talks, him. you know? Like he talks well, like even this. even the way he like adjusts his suit and stuff like that, yeah. I feel like it's <laughs> it doesn't feel he doesn't feel comfortable in it, or that he wears it like Tom Hardy mm-hmm. does. You know, um, he's a bit conspicuous. <laughs> I think he doesn't like blend into things very well. He does stick out. No, him. and that's why he's so good as like a main character in in a in a movie. I find um, like Brick. He's a, he's brilliant in Brick and yeah, a ton of other movies he's in. But yeah, I think as a side character, he didn't. He wasn't the best fit for this movie. Uh, yeah. I but the, the other problem is that, like like we were saying, Chris Nolan doesn't give any of the other characters other than Leo any backstory like or anything to really work with. Like, they're just, like, people who are involved in the thing. They don't have, like, any real personalities or anything like that. They're just, yeah. like, you know, part of the game. Well, I mean, I think Tom Hardy had a bit of personality. The fact that he was kind of a practical joker and always teasing... Just Gordon Levitt's character, like he did, it felt like mm-hmm. he did have another dimension to him. He wasn't just this like run and gun guy. Uh, that felt like a little pithier. He's he's a delight the in the this characters. movie. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. He's the humor yeah. in this movie. He's he's a lot of the drive in this movie. He carries a lot of this movie, which I didn't expect seeing it a second time to realize. But like Ellen Page, for example, like she's great, Canadian actress. But in this movie, like, you know, they bring her in to be like this vital part of the team, like to be like this partner to Leo, you know, and we don't really have any motivation for her doing that or like why she's decided to do this or like what it gives to her yeah. you know yeah. can you imagine like just imagine you're an architecture student and this like kind of skeezy guy like approaches you to be be like a part of this heist like why would you do that like i i <laughs> i've heard that line before Come my yacht leo <laughs> no but like exactly. i yeah you're right like they don't show us anything about what they're doing that appeals to her other than like the dream thing like the, the like because they say like you know once she gets the sense of like building worlds in this 
shared dreaming state. Like she won't want to stop. But it seems like that's a thing people are doing anyway. Like it's like we should mention this isn't just like dreaming like you have dreams. It's like specifically a shared dreaming technology that was created by the military for like training purposes. But it has like this black market, you know, uh, uh, community where like, uh, you know, we see like this kind of opium den type place where, where people can. So it does seem like if she wanted to do it, like there were ways for her to do it where she doesn't have to break the law to the extent she would have to, to like (laughs) join up with this team of mercenaries who are like trying to scam a billionaire. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and she, and she goes, first of all, they kidnap her and put her under. So like, she doesn't even know she's dreaming in the first scene where she's dreaming. They're like, you're already in the dream. She's like, what have you done to me? <laughs> like that, that yeah. should be their first question. And then yeah. <laughs> she like, yeah, she has so many other opportunities to leave and she's scared of him. I don't know why she comes back. Uh, she's like, your wife almost yeah. killed me and she caused me a lot of pain. She stabbed me in the gut and I had to like live with being stabbed in the gut by this crazy woman for minutes. <laughs> so like I wouldn't go back there. That sounds awful. Also, it didn't yeah, seem anyway. like uh, – I, I don't know. Like I'm not an architect. I've never been an architecture student. But like yeah, it would be cool to like fold yeah. cities on top of each other. But at a certain point, wouldn't you be like, I, I just wanted to design buildings. Yeah. <laughs> I, did, I didn't want to do any of this. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're getting too... Yeah. yeah. I want to be Frank (laughs) Gary. I just want to make some slopey glass buildings. But, I mean, she's good. I mean, she's she's always good, I think. And she... But it does seem like, uh, you know, I think people have, like we mentioned, have rightly criticized Nolan for his his female characters. And, like, the sort of two... Only two female characters in this movie. One is a crazed murderer for inexplicably. <laughs> uh, and the other is like, yes, she's a, a very capable, smart character. And in, in many ways, like the audience surrogate because she's, you know, learning all of this stuff. But she's also like, you know, she's like the kid. She's like the one who doesn't, you know, who gets to learn everything and have a bunch of dudes explain things for two hours. I don't know. I It, it didn't feel great well i do have a rebuttal for that which which i i mentioned before um but i think that she um she does have agency which is something that i think a lot of the you know the girlfriend of the scientist he has to explain everything to her is the aliens take over the world uh so that we know um they don't have usually in movies and she really pushes it she's like no i want to see what happens if i do this and he's like i wouldn't do that because my wife is gonna murder you um i you know she has that agency and i like that she's also is the person that kind of is the 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 person that changes the main character a little bit through her but then she she's just like a you know like we said her she has no backstory and she only exists to help Leonardo DiCaprio through his problems. I don't think that's great yeah. either. You know it, no. the dynamic of this movie. It, I really tried. It kind of reminds me of uh, Manhattan, the Woody Allen movie, because mm-hmm. there's like <laughs> there's like a young like teen girl who's like pure of heart, and then there's like an older woman who's like toxic and crazy. And there's no in between. Uh, I, I don't know. Right. 
It would help also if Marshall McLuhan showed up. I feel like he could explain <laughs> some things, maybe. But and, and you know, I'm saying all this, and it it is frustrating that a lot of these characters, you know, even though it's a silly movie, I think that's part of the problem. Is this is an intensely silly, goofy movie that thinks it's so serious and important, or at least like the sort of like formal cues were given, like communicate to us that it it has the sense of self-importance you know what i mean like totally but it is at its core just so incredibly silly well it's like the stock comedic character that thinks they're the coolest and is so stupid you know like it it does it does kind of undo itself that way and i don't treat itself like it's the coolest kid in the room like it's the matrix or something i don't mean that as a criticism because i mean i mean it as a criticism but it doesn't like destroy the movie and i think the movie is a lot of fun for those reasons but i think it works best when it is like embracing how bonkers it is and how uh you know even comedic sometimes like the scene with the with the p-rain you know, <laughs> and that's the only joke in the movie. Yeah, <laughs> right there. No, but I mean, like, and Tom yeah. Hardy's having a lot of fun, and you know, I, I, I think like Christopher Nolan said at the time, from what I remember, because I didn't do the research on this one, but from what I remember, he was very much saying that he had always wanted to do a James Bond movie. And this mm. was like his James Bond movie, but he said instead of like hopping between countries, his characters would be hopping between dimensions. And that was kind of like the core idea. But I think the difference is like in the Bond movies, like James Bond's having a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. And Leonardo DiCaprio is tortured. <laughs> for most of this movie and it's a lot of it's not fun and i think tom hardy's fun and i think parts of it have fun but it's it's just so aggressively serious but it does have like at its core this goofy spy mentality yeah for sure yeah and it it, and i I think he was trying to embrace it in the snowmobile scene but even that took itself way too seriously as well. And a bit of the behind the scenes on that, Tom Hardy couldn't ski. So he almost didn't get the, the role and he had to learn how to ski in three days for those those scenes. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so that's pretty impressive to me. Uh, I think he did a pretty good job. And he had to do it with only the finest ski coach that Hollywood money could buy. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some fan theories Um and yeah, they they argue whether the top falls or or doesn't, which I think is not the point of the movie. But one of the fan theories that I kind of like is that Cobb is still in limbo, and every time, so like all this stuff is just Cobb in limbo. When he thought he left limbo, he didn't, and every time he sees Mal, is Mal trying to incept him and trying to tell him that uh, people like love people in his life are coming to him and being like, "We, you're not." Uh, you're not alive you're not like in the real world so like when michael kane goes come back to reality that's actually him saying you're living in a dream you're Mm. which i thought was all right why didn't you say that then then? why didn't he yeah yeah yeah, i know it's it's a fan theory it doesn't really make sense uh but uh the other one is that you know is he in a dream at the end or not michael kane has come out and said well Christopher Nolan told me that any scene I was in was reality. So, so yes, he's in reality at the end. I don't do dreams. The other- I do, but I charge <laughs> yeah. more for them. 
Um, the other, the other uh, clue was that um, Cobb is always wearing his wedding ring when he's in a dream, but never in real life. Oh, and in the end, no. he's not wearing his wedding ring. Which I kind of thought was just him having said goodbye to his dead wife yeah. and no longer needing the wedding ring. Yeah. Well, maybe he lost like, it. I'm here with our kids. Down the sink. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It happens. Yeah. Maybe he's going to a singles bar. <laughs> None who's back in the U.S. Show, yeah, it's like the Don Draper Showing off his tricks. Yeah. This thing. Watch me spin this top, baby. Yeah. The other thing was the, the whole snowy snowscape was two days before they started filming that was Mudscape. And it was on the side of the mountain in, uh, in Calgary uh, on a ski resort. And... They were building the whole piece, and they were like, we don't have any snow. Are we going to CGI the snow? We don't know what to do. And then it, a blizzard came through when they started filming um, and then never stopped until they finished filming. So they were filming through a blizzard throughout the entire, like, 20 days or 30. No, not 20 days, but, like, a week or two weeks they were filming that. So wow. that's kind of interesting and sucked for everyone on set, I'm so sure. Calgary winters are so cold. Oh, yeah. It was kind of a globe trotting. They went to Morocco to film. Uh, they went to England to film. They went to Canada. So they did kind of go around and do the Bondy thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like but, that. Uh, yeah. You know, I know I and, I don't like getting into the weeds about like, you know, is it really a dream or is it not? Because I, you know, I think it's just supposed to be this general vibe uh, of of you don't know exactly what's real and what's not, because that's what the character feels, because he's done this so much that he's, you know, his his grasp on reality is, is not what it once was. But I will say the thing, the moment I think I liked the most, that felt the most dreamlike, and I think I've seen other people say this too in reviews and things, is the scene where, I guess in Morocco or whatever, wherever he meets Tom Hardy and he's being mm. chased and he runs down that alleyway and it just yeah. gets narrower and narrower. Right. And he just like almost can't get out. Like Terrifying. that felt like a dream. That yeah. felt like a nightmare. You well, know? I guess that's the thing. Like none of the dreams follow like dream logic. Like, they're all like realistic scenarios that, you know, are very unlike what we experience dreams like. Like, you know, like a David Lynch movie feels like a dream more than like any yeah. part of Inception does. Well, that's because I and people said that as a criticism at the time, but they do say in the movie like it's not a dream. It's specifically this like right technology that was developed, which is also like well, weird. And they're trying to Yeah, and and kind of glossed over. Yeah, and they're and they're trying to like make the scenarios kind of realistic to Killian Murphy, right? So that he thinks that he is in the real world and will give up his secrets to them. Yeah, yeah. And most of the time, when so, you're in a dream, you don't. Yeah, you don't think like that. It's a dream. Like most of the time, you just kind of buy into the reality of it. So I. That but when you do me. realize it's a dream, and you get to do that, what do you call it? Like conscious lucid, dreaming, lucid, lucid dreaming. dreaming. Yeah. yeah, it's the good shit. <laughs> Wait, have you done that, Rob? Every night. I'm doing it right now. What? Inception. And oh, you, no. And you're doing this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not much exciting happening in my dreams. <laughs> it's been a boring four months. <laughs> oh, man, the lucid dreaming, I've tried to do it, but there's so many things you have to do. You have to, like, turn the lights off. It's, it makes you kind of OCD in your normal life. You have to do all these, like, dream tests to prove that you're not dreaming throughout your normal day so that you do them in your dreams naturally so you have to do it habitually and then once you can 
plug your nose and actually breathe, then you know you're in a dream. And that's when you can kind of wake up in the dream and have a lucid dream. I just think it would be so much fun. But it's it really it really makes you look stupid when you're trying to breathe in through your plugged nose <laughs> in life. You're like, what are you doing? Blaine, like, why are you breathing weird? <laughs> yeah, it's, I watched Inception um, last night. <laughs> blame it on that. So let's go around. Rob, do you think this movie is rewatchable? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed it more, I think, than the first time. And I think that's because I sort of just let it be like a sort of big Hollywood sort of heist movie with like a little bit of like ridiculousness. And, you know, for the most part, it worked for me, you know, I thought all the performances were fun. I thought like the action sequences were great, and you know, it's just it's very different, I think, than than other movies. You know, just in the way that Christopher Nolan sort of plays with reality, and even though like, yeah, like the dreams aren't like you know super dreamy or anything like that it does feel like it's a very neat sort of concept to be able to have like all these different locations sort of nested inside this like you know one sort of plot so i yeah i enjoyed it i thought it was good yeah i would probably rewatch it uh against you know when it's on or you know when i'm want something that is just sort of like visually spectacular but uh you know not really a mind fuck you know yeah <laughs> Okay, if you really want to mind fuck, you put on like David Lynch or something like that, like you said. Yeah, you know something that's like really ambiguous, not just like does the top fall. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jam? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, problems with it that we've you know talked about, but we uh, we haven't talked so much about yeah, just that it's a lot of fun you know like those action scenes are great and what i we should maybe talk briefly about tenet here because i watched this movie within a week of seeing tenet and that me too really shaped how i saw this movie it really made me definitely uh reappreciate this one because like we said i was not a fan of tenets Damn. we should maybe talk about how we saw it too because i you know i've been pretty vocal about this online like i don't think people should be going to movie theaters no. right now no doctors have said not to bad idea i i only did it because oh uh, my god I am special and uh, no, I did it because I like, I was, I wanted to see it. I, you know, I was thinking, should I go into a drive-in? <laughs> Wait, that's your excuse. No, I, I, you know, I was, I was, I, just wanted to, I was going to so go funny. to a drive-in or something. And then I was visiting my in-laws. I was in the suburbs. They live five minutes from a movie theater and I was checking the times on my phone and there was literally a screening coming up in like 10 minutes that had zero seats sold. Oh, and, uh, so I actually wrote an article about this. If you want to read that, I, I talk all about my experience going, but basically I waited until the movie was starting and bought the only seat that sold for that showing and, and went and watched Tenet all alone in a big movie theater. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And it was, it was both nice because I was not worried about viral transmissions because I was alone. It was the first screening of the day, but it was also like creepy for other reasons because it was like alone in a theater and that felt more like post-apocalyptic than anything else. <laughs> and also... Then you dropped your glasses and you're yeah. like, no! I had time no. now. 
But also the movie was just kind of a drag. I didn't like the movie. And a big difference I noted between Inception and Tenet was uh, Tenet has this like, I don't, we won't spoil anything, but it has like a kind of crazy sci-fi concept that's at the core of the movie. But the majority of the action scenes I found uh, were kind of independent of that. You know mm. what I mean? It was like, yeah, there were like two, uh, with the exception of the ending, which I don't even think really utilized the sci-fi concept. The, the sort of two big action set pieces ahead of that were just heist scenes. Like it could have been about anything. Like it could have been like <sighs> yep. just stealing a painting or stealing like money. <laughs> like there mm. was, it just didn't, you know, whereas watching Inception, like, the thing like, you know, the hallway fight scene, like taking that uh, that surreal, broad, uh, big picture premise and and finding new ways to uh, to do action scenes that would uh, that would, you know, fit that premise or, or like do something different with it because of uh, the unusual circumstances the characters are in. I don't think Tenet did that. Uh, what about you, Blaine? What did you think of it? Well. I I mean I definitely appreciated it more in terms of of seeing Tenet um and I recognized some of the things that he did in Tenet that I really didn't like in this movie but he did such little of it in this movie in Tenet he kind of was just like that's all I'm going to do baby <laughs> give me the camera You're like what but these are the things that was wrong with inception and that we forgave inception for because there was a a bigger idea and uh more of a, a heart to it and a core to it and a character mm. to it so we were willing to go through these things um to come out the other side to see what happened with those characters and and those emotional things that resonate in movies but in um in Tenet, it just felt like, like for example, the fact that Ellen Page could fold Paris in on itself. I was like, that'll come back, and they like jump up to the other side of Paris, and then it unfolds, and they've just traveled so far and such like a small, and that's how they get away or something in the end, and it never comes up again. And we were talking about how that's kind of shitty. In in Tenet, he does that with maybe like five different things, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's going to be amazing when it comes back, and it never does and i don't know whether he's setting himself up for a trilogy or something where those things are going to come back somewhere in the line but it just felt like just wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity and seeing inception it's like okay i felt like that once but the rest of the time i was like oh that makes so much sense in the story world and that makes such a beautiful picture on the screen and made me appreciate inception a lot more than i had ever before and uh and i i think it's quite rewatchable um for a lot of different reasons and so if you didn't like tenet in the theaters when you saw it with a hundred other people without face masks on um <laughs> when you're in the hospital go watch inception no. and uh i'm i'm just kidding around. how did you how did you no, see it did you where did you go see it in a theater a theater with a hundred other people uh what, no, really? uh, i went to a drive-in okay i went to a drive-in up in like muskoka uh so oh, nice. uh, there was like four other cars there and it was a beautiful great thing wait the drive-in uh, wasn't busy no no there was like there was like four other cars for, for tenant and there was no one else really there oh. so it was great yeah yeah i mean yeah i, I the thing about tenant too that 
that kind of pales in comparison to Inception is watching them again, the stakes of Inception in a way couldn't be lower. Like it's, it's right. literally like, can we get a, can we get this guy to make a business decision? Yeah. So that this other yeah. guy can like go see his kids. Totally. Like, whereas Tenet, it's like, what happens if we die in this world? And it's like, oh, you go to like just another inception level and like oh can do we ever escape are we trapped there forever no 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 someone will come get you <laughs> yeah, you just have to wait you probably get time. out yeah uh, yeah uh, but and, uh you get two lifetimes though that's pretty cool it's like okay great like but yeah it felt more yeah sorry go on james but with tenet like the stakes couldn't be higher on the other hand it's like i don't think it's spoiling anything to say like it's the end of the world basically is what, what? they're up against but like I didn't care <laughs> by the end of it. It was just like the whole climax, which I won't say what it was. Like I don't even know who some of the people were or where they came from. It was just kind of nonsense. Whereas this, like, yeah, it felt very focused. It felt very clear. It felt it made you care about all of the characters, even if they're thinly drawn. And even though we like we made sense about like the motivation being like, I just want to get my kids back. Like, <laughs> man, I would have given my right arm for for John David Washington to want to get his kids back <laughs> in Tenet. Or like revenge or like I'm bored. Anything. Like yeah. I just don't know what he was doing anything in that movie. And or I why think, anyone yeah. was doing anything in that And movie. I think he coasted I think he coasted a little bit in Inception on the charm of his cast. I think he does that way more in Tenet because like John David Washington's great. Robert Pattinson comes in to kind of do the uh, uh the Tom Hardy thing of being like the, the charming British guy hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to to make everything just seem a little bit better than than the writing perhaps is yeah man I, you know, watching those movies back to back well for one thing was just a lot of christopher nolan it was <laughs> it was five hours of nolan uh i'm gonna take a break for a long time uh from christopher yeah. nolan movies but uh yeah man uh it it really made me reappreciate inception it definitely felt watching them back to back. Tenet felt like watching someone's earlier movie that didn't quite make sense, and then he got his brothers together and learned from it and made Inception. Like that's what it. Because I watched Tenet first, uh, but it was the other way around, and I don't know. I don't know mm. why. <laughs> maybe maybe it is the other way around. Maybe it was a time travel thing. I don't know. We'll never know. I will say the other thing I remember about when, when Inception came out that I forgot to mention was. Uh, I I was walking down the street one day outside of a movie theater and was given an Inception t-shirt, like a Whoa. promotional shirt that was a pajama shirt for many years for me. But it was like a really shitty shirt. It was like literally just said Inception and had like a QR code on it that I never scanned. Right. Or <laughs> I, I don't know if anyone scanned it when I was, you know at the coffee shop or whatever. But, uh, it was a really terrible shirt, but I did wear it uh, with my pajamas uh, for a while. Also, nice. also, don't you kind of feel like when he was like, I want you to put an idea in my competitor's head. He was like, you can't put an idea in someone's head. Isn't that what advertising is? Oh like, yeah. Is it, didn't every advertiser ever just go, <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> like, I just feel like 
<laughs> I, I don't know. Don Draper does that every 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 hour of Mad Men. So I don't know why it was so impossible for Leonardo DiCaprio to go into someone's mind vault and uh, put something in there. After we did Scott Pilgrim on the podcast, I bought a whole case of Coke Zeros. <laughs> <laughs> Started playing Pacuman a lot. So that's good. So that's it for rewatchability this week. Thanks for downloading the episode thanks for listening thanks for going to patreon.com slash rewatchability and donating some money and if you can't do that thanks for telling someone about it and if you don't want to do that because you're really shy or an introvert or you've gone online for your day job and now talk to no one and your water cooler is your own fridge then you can uh go to apple podcasts and you can rate us there or on whatever podcast uh, subscription service you use that would really help us out you as can well. do it if you have friends and, too uh, yeah, true. <laughs> That's it for this this week, but we'll be back next week with another movie for you. Uh, and until then, what what do you want people to do, Rob? Incept, incept our listeners. Um, don't think of an elephant. Okay, think of two God elephants. Damn it. <laughs> oh, God, what are they doing? All right.